Welcome, welcome, ladies, gentlemen, non-gender specifics. Hey, who knows? I want to be as inclusive as possible uh, here. So, welcome to episode six of the Average Man podcast, Big God. Um, straight out the gate, I want to jump into a critique of last week's episode. Um, it, was, it was the intro. The intro was sloppy, it was painful, and hard to listen to when I listened back to it, um, I feel like I need to get the basic info correct. It needs to be clear, concise. I need to be able to relay my point without sort of umming and ahhing and stumbling through all my words. So I was nervous straight out the gate. I didn't have enough basic info written down and I really didn't convey it the way I wanted to and it was hard for me to listen back to and that was the first thing I picked up on. So um, as I've said previously, I'm going to improve one thing each week. Uh, Working on that, moving forward, that's what it's going to be for this week. So... Yeah, I can do better, I will do better, um, and yeah, I need to make sure I get that that information across, and I also feel like I didn't, I talked about, I was going to speak about local events and things like that in town, but I didn't actually hit any, so I spoke about what I was going to do and didn't actually do it on that podcast, it was a little bit too much about possibly my weekend, myself, what I'd been doing, and not enough of the events and things around town that I said I was going to be conveying to people, so I need to improve that whole section um, and I just thought I'd mention it because it was the intro I was critiquing. I mentioned it straight out the gate um, and then move on from there and, and try and get better this week. Having said that, <clears throat> sponsors for this week. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to PCC Productions, the audiovisual specialists servicing the Pilbara. Whether it's a rehearsal space, recording studio, equipment hire or events production you're after, PCC has you covered. Find them on Facebook, get in touch with Brad uh, he and the team will be more than help, happy to help you out. Uh, sponsors this week are also um, two-way hire services. Uh, they're a Perth-based company providing two-way radio equipment and servicing the uh, and, and services, and they're more than happy to service you and your business up here in the Pilbara to help meet your communication requirements. Two-way hire services are a small business willing to do the small things that matter. Get hold of them on Instagram or Facebook, mention the podcast, and Ross and the team will be sure to look after you. So those specifics I was talking about last week, the information I didn't convey properly. Um, Northwest Festival. I stumbled around, I mentioned the main artists, and then I stumbled around the extra artists who I, I said were competition winners, some sort of competition. I, I was very vague. I didn't know what I was talking about. I didn't have the information written there. So I said uh, competition winners. Sam Perry is one of the is uh, one of the competition winners. It was The Voice. He was the winner of The Voice 2018. And I've gone down the YouTube rabbit hole on him a little bit this week and had a look. And um, it looks it looks really good. It was actually at the behest of one of my mates who hit me up on the, the uh, Average Man podcast Facebook page and said, you know, dude, have you checked this Sam Perry guy out? You know, he's awesome. He's, he, um, he's a looper. Mean, not mean that he's a tripper. He might be. I don't know. But meaning that he, he records loops. Uh, and lays them over the top of each other to create a song live on stage. So he'll uh, he'll record 
drum beats, uh, beatboxing, um, lyrics, things like that, and then he'll, he'll, he'll record each loop and then layer it over the top of each other to create a song as he goes. Um, Taf Sultana does the same thing. She does it with guitar and all the array of different pedals she's got, and she's got a drum machine, and she sings, and she'll also loop and record vocals and just layering songs on top of each other. I've always been really interested like watching uh, people do that. It's an awesome skill, and it's a great... I think it's a great uh, way to utilise the new technology and sort of bring that soul back into to digitised music, you know. I mean, you're using computers to make the songs wholly and the song in, in its entirety is made up, you know, using computers and, and you know, uh, a couple of different instruments sometimes, sometimes not. And, and it kind of brings that, for me, that soul back into the music. Uh, watching guys create things on stage it leaves a lot of room for improvisation and stuff as well. And um, I'm really, really interested to see him live now. You go check him out on Facebook this week or something. Uh, sorry, on YouTube if you want. Um, Sam Perry, winner of The Voice. And you can just go down that rabbit hole and have a look at what he does. Yeah, really, really keen to see that kid live, man. Uh, I, I just love it. I love watching them do that, layer it on top of each other, and you know, and then you can sit back and go to a whole song that they've built from scratch in front of you. So that's going to be really cool. Check out. And Carla Geneve was the other artist. She wasn't a competition winner. She's a Triple J unearthed artist. She's a singer and songwriter. Um, for me, sounds a lot like, say, Alex the Astronaut. Uh, that, that type of... Um, yeah, that, that type of really pleasant Australiana pop, really telling a story. So they've probably got older influences like Paul Kelly on that on that sort of style. You know, it's a, it's a younger um, generation. It's a new sort of uh, take on that on that style. Um, yeah, so she's um, yeah, a really talented young artist. I think she's only nineteen or something as well. So she's sort of uh, she's on that bill too. And I believe both those guys are playing at the Sundowner event, which will be the Sunday. So the date for Northwest Festival is Saturday the twenty fifth, where you'll get your larger um, artists like Bliss and Esso, Hands Like Houses, who we're hoping to get on the on the podcast when they come into town that weekend. Shepherd and Abby May, and then the uh, Sunday should be the Sundowner, where you have those um, two those two I just mentioned. Sam Perry and Carla Geneve and there'll be some local artists playing as well and uh, it is at the Civic Centre Gardens in Port so on that grassed area behind the uh, town of Port Hedland um, offices there and overlooking the ocean underneath the trees on the grass beautiful beautiful spot so yeah that's Northwest Festival and, and the other uh, the other festival coming up that I butchered the details of last week would be Red Country Music Festival July 13th and 14th, also at Civic Centre Gardens. Um, headlining is Black Sorrows, Amber Lawrence, Philly Wally, Philip Wally Stack and the Bradley Hall Band. Also, man, I don't know if this is a return of, but I'm going to say the return of Downside. We haven't heard a whole lot from them uh, lately, but they are one of the pioneers of Aussie hip-hop. Man, these guys were doing it in the 90s. Big, cruel guys. Uh, Perth-based hip-hop band. So, yeah, get amongst them. If you, if you haven't heard of them, chuck, jump on, you know. YouTube or Spotify or Apple Music, wherever you get your tunes from, have a listen, man. These guys are, yeah, they're OGs as far as the, the Aussie hip-hop scene goes, man. They've been kicking around as long as Hilltops have, so. Yeah, that's that's going to be awesome, man. Um, that's, uh, yeah, like I said, Civic Centre Garden as well. That's coming up. That's actually, So that'll be next weekend, 13th and 14th of July. So, man, get your tickets. Check them out on Facebook to get all your details and get in contact with them there. Get ticketed up, get down. Let's support the local music, man, the live music scene, like, 
everyone wants live music, everyone loves live music, we all like events, we all like getting outside, especially this time of the year, man, that it's, you know, it's a little windy today, but that's just, that comes and goes, it's beautiful, it's 28 degrees every day out there, you're going to be on the water, you know, we want live music in this town, so we want to have a good showing when they come, we want it to be worth the promoters to put these events on, so get your ticket, get down there, have a, you know, have a good time, man, check out some local music. Um... Events for this weekend will be obviously Marble Bar Cup on today. Bunch of people around this morning heading out there already. Um, I've seen people at all the service stations all loaded up. A few of the guys from work are heading out there this weekend. You know, we were interested in going, but I've got family in town this weekend, and I think my kids are just a little bit young at the moment. I'd be pushing it if I'm honest. Two and four, you know. You know, the three and a half, four hour drive out there, big day races, and then camping out there, and I'm sure it's going to get quite loose. In the evening, shenanigans will ensue, no doubt. So probably not for us. No, maybe next year. We'll, we'll see how we go. I would definitely love to get out and check out my bar cup. But if you're heading there, you're obviously not going to hear this until you've already been and gone. But um, there's a few other things happening around town in lieu of that. Uh, we've got uh, tomorrow night playing at the Yachty is Kim Wainwright. He's, uh, he's on his Red Dirt tour. He's an eclectic solo artist with a bluesy kind of folky feel, like what I saw on YouTube clips of him. He'll be playing down the Yachty tomorrow night. It should be a beautiful evening down there. The wind's going to drop off, just enough to keep those mozzies and midges away, but not so much that it's going to be blowing. But down there in the water, I'll be down there for sunset tomorrow with my family, checking it out, um, having a look at Kim Wainwright, seeing what he's got to offer. So get down there. Uh, we've got a buy in the local footy this week. I'm not sure if it's just in conjunction with the school holidays or it's for Marble Bar Cup. Probably should have asked that, speaking to the guys this week, but it's definitely a buy this week and it works in conjunction with Marble Bar Cup either way. Probably for school holidays too, because obviously a lot of the you know guys are, are family members, dads and things like that, and they're going to shoot off during school holidays when they can get the chance. So there's buy in, in the local footy. Uh, that's, all, that's all I've got listed for around town, but we've got the big UFC 226 on tomorrow. So, the big story about the UFC 26, Miocic versus Cormier, it was going to be two title fights, Miocic versus Cormier and Max Holloway versus um, uh, Brian Ortega. However, the big story of, the, of that fight card is Max Holloway out with a concussion or with concussion type symptoms. This is really random, mate. This dude is the featherweight 145 pound champion. He's on like a 12-fight win streak, man, and his last loss was Conor McGregor, so, and it was probably four years ago. So this kid, Hawaiian kid, man, he's, he's the real deal. He's a superstar. He's got superstar written all over him, demolished ex-featherweight kingpin Jose Aldo twice in a row, man, and actually sort of beat him more, more conclusively the second time around. He's the real deal. He's an absolute monster. He's got a great attitude, you know. All by all accounts, he's one of the good guys in the, in the industry. He's got this famous saying, which is you know local sort of it's it's a common fare here in Headland, but it is what it is. He's what he's known for saying: real laid back dude, takes things as they come. He's a fighter's fighter. He, he's got all the technical skills, man. He's got the wrestling, the grappling, good reach and distance control. He's he's got. Good hands, he mixes up his Muay Thai with his boxing, he's got good, like I said, distance control, but he'll also stand in the centre and bang when it's time to do that as well. There's a famous fight between he, uh, him and uh, Dennis Bermudez, they've been going at it, Max have been controlling the action 
for the whole fight. In the last 10 seconds of the third round, Max drew a line with his finger in the center of the octagon, literally drew a line and said, let's go. <laughs> and they just stood there and just threw leather for, for the last 10 or 15 seconds. And he got, got the better of all those exchanges too, really. But that's just the kind of guy he is, man. Uh, saying that, it's probably not surprising he's got some concussion issues. I, I, I dare say he trains like an absolute monster. But, I mean, he hasn't fought in, in a little minute. He, he was supposed to, he was going to step up and fight uh, Khabib when, um, when all that shit went down uh, with Tony Ferguson dropping out of their last title fight for the lightweight belt. He, he got pulled from the weight cut by the commission and wasn't going to make it in time. This is how big this dude is for lightweight. He fights at 145 pounds and he got pulled from a 155-pound title fight on short notice because he was too big for, to make the weight for that, which is 10 pounds above. So he's a big guy for 145. Tall, rangy guy. Must be 5'11 with, with you know, reach to spare. And he's been pulled with saying they're saying he's been not himself, sort of saying random things, been a bit off during the week. Maybe the weight cut has accentuated some some concussions he got or a concussion he got during his fight camp or something like that. I'm not sure. His uh, his last title defense he was pulled from against Frankie Edgar because he, he I think he broke his foot, and that's when uh, Brian Ortega stepped up on short notice to fight Frankie Edgar and knocked Frankie out in the second round, which is the first time Frankie's been finished and the first time everyone went, "Wow, this kid's the real deal, man." It's going to be such a great fight. He's also a big guy, so he had the reach on on um, on Max Holloway. Definitely not as well rounded as Max Holloway, but this kid has the the most dangerous triangle game in MMA, and his grappling is top notch all round. So if he goes to the ground, this guy doesn't need much to finish the fight. It's going to be a really interesting fight, and probably the best. And it's probably going to be one of those trilogy type scenarios where these guys are well matched. They, we don't know yet, but it looks like from what we've seen, they look to be well matched. Same two young guys, probably going to have to move up to 155 as they get older. We could have seen these guys fight a few times, so it's a real shame that's off. But the most important thing here is just that um, best wishes to Max Holloway. We hope he gets better, man, because that's serious. Like The dude's mumbling around, stumbling. He's been pulled from a fight by the commissions, I think maybe by his own doctors, just because he wasn't right, man. So that's not cool. We hope that he can you know, sort that issue out, get better, rest and recovery is probably the best thing for him right now. Bit of a shame for the fans, but yeah, in, in his own best interest. Hope he gets better, man. Uh, moving on, I think so. We've got... The, uh, this was going to be an undercard fight. I think it may have been bumped up to the main card now to help fill some spots. Mike Perry with a late vers uh, late replacement fight versus Paul Felder. And now I'm looking at this on paper. That's the other Hawaiian. He was going to be fighting... Um, Mike Perry was going to be fighting Yancey Medeiros, who's the other Hawaiian. They kind of stick these Hawaiian cats on the same card whenever possible. Um... These guys are lightweights. And Yancy Medeiros is another just Hawaiian gangster, just stands there and bangs. He's got all the skills, but loves to just throw down as well, man. And and uh, I think last time out, he, he lost a decision to uh, Cowboy, which was the fight of the night. And he's been pulled as well, man. So rough, rough weekend for the Hawaiians. But stepping up is Paul Felder, who does commentary for the UFC, and he's probably got a future in that. But he's also just a straight-up, Technical assassin, man. He's got all the his skills. He's he's got wrestling, grappling, and everything. But he's real. He's a Muay Thai specialist, man. He's really technical. Mike Perry, more of a brawler, not scared of anyone. Going to come forward and throw leather and hope that you come meet him in the center. And I just think with the technical skills Felder has, um, his experience, you know, and he's got the calm ahead. I think he's going to be able to pick Perry apart until he knocks him out. TKO round two is my pick for that one. 
Um, moving into the main card, we've got Gokan Saki, the kickboxer. We've got no takedown defense, as we, we know. I spoke about that last week. No grappling to speak of. Versus Khalil Roundtree, who's a, uh, he's a, a powerful wrestler. And, a, you know, and a, he's got good boxing. He's a KO artist. So he's one of those sort of, you know, he's a black American dude. They've got that explosive power, man. He's just a muscle-bound dude. You know, great wrestling. and doesn't take him long to figure out how to throw the hands and knock people out. And so we kind of got the... I don't think he's going to be trying to take Gokhan down, but if he does, you know, you could probably take him down, ground, pound him out. Um, my money, however, is on Gokhan Saki. I'm going round one, KO from a big swinging wild left hook. He's, he's sharp. He's real quick. He swings those... Those hooks from from uh, left field, man, and they come quick, and and uh, he, he's not afraid to throw them. Hopefully, he's hopefully he's not too concerned about the takedown, and he just lets him, he just lets all his striking go because I mean, he's got to learn on the job. This guy, he could get dragged into the later rounds. He could get KO'd by Khalil himself, but we'll see what happens there. My money's on Gokan Saki for the round one knockout. Um, Michael Chiesa versus Anthony Pettis. Now. I'm a massive Anthony Pettis uh, fan. He was the he was former lightweight champion. He's of course got that Showtime kick. He's got Showtime tatted on his back, and he's got the famous kick Showtime that he performed in the WEC against Benis, Ben Henderson's face, jumping off the cage and kicking Ben Henderson in the face. Um, you know, yeah, like I said, he was an ex champion. He, he he's beat the likes of Donald Cerrone, Eddie Alvarez, um, Gilbert Melendez. You know, he's beat everyone on his way up. He looked unstoppable for a while there. People were kind of toting him as the next Anderson Silva. Had a bit of a rough patch, man. Um, seems that grappling has really been his Achilles heel. And then he went on a bit of a losing streak and hasn't really been able to put things together very well since. Uh, Michael Chiesa, his last fight was a loss against Kevin Lee, who's just flown up through the ranks. So there's no, you know, there's, there's, there's no sort of hard feelings or nothing to hang your head on there, should I say. Uh, Kevin Lee's a beast. He's going to probably be a future champion. Michael Chiesa got choked out in that one and was supposed to fight earlier in the year, but got he was victim to the Connor throwing the uh, the the trolley through the bus window. He was victim to that. He got glass in his face, I think in his eyes, and got pulled from that card at the last minute. So he's dark on 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 old Connor McGregor, and yeah, this is his first time back since that. And I think he was slated to fight Anthony Pettis on that card. So this is just they've, re, they've run this one back. We're going to get to see it this time. They've both got all-round skills, these dudes. Pettis, uh, he might be a little bit past it, but you know, you're know you going to see grappling and wrestling and maybe submissions and and good striking all mixed up in this fight for the for, for as long as it lasts. My, my heart says I want Pettis to win. I want him to pull off some amazing kick or some flying armbar or something, you know, triangle, flying triangle or something crazy like that that he, he's, he's prone to do um, for one of those holy shit UFC-type moments that we all love. But my head kind of saying Chiesa might be able to um, might be able to work him outwork him and, and, and get the decision over the three rounds. Um, moving along, this one Francis Ngannou versus Derek Lewis. This has been promoted to your co-main event in lieu of uh, Holloway and Ortega being called off. They couldn't find a, a late round a late replacement for Brian Ortega on two days' notice or something, so they've just canned that entire fight. Poor guy, man, he's. The biggest moment of his life, he's prepared for it for, for however long and all these months specifically and it's just been pulled. So both those guys, you know, ha- 
heart goes out to him. But moving up to take the place, it's a pretty good replacement, man. It's not for a title, but it's Francis Ngannou versus Derek Lewis, the Black Beast. These two men are just beasts of men. Your big heavyweights, the big African uh, fighting from out of France, heavyweight Francis Ngannou. I say fighting out of France. He, he's actually moved to the UFC Performance Institute in Las Vegas now. Um, versus Derek Lewis, who they're both KO artists, this guy. These guys, however, Francis Ngannou has that real explosive power, can knock your head off your shoulders type of, top of knockout power. Similar to, to like an Anthony Johnson um, whereas Derek Lewis is kind of uh, is probably a little more slow moving, uh, gets in close, likes to, to to sort of dirty box and wrestle a bit, but can just land big bombs from anywhere. Man, he's knocked out Travis Brown, brutal knockout of Travis Brown. He's knocked out. Who else did he knock out with that bomb? He's, he's knocked a lot of dudes out in the UFC, man. And Francis Ngannou he's knocked out famously knocked Overeem's head off his shoulders, knocked out Orlovsky. And a few sort of lesser known guys before falling victim to Stipe Miocic. So this one should be fast paced. Derek Lewis might go for the takedown, just mix things up. If he does, I think he's, he gets uh, Nganu on the ground and ground and pans him for a TKO. Big, big man, top, top heavy sort of ground game. And Francis Ngannou has no ground game. So if it goes down there, look for the ground and pound TKO from Derek Lewis. Otherwise, you may get a. Uh, an early KO first round from Ngano. If not, maybe these guys get a little bit tired and the power fades and they stand there till the third round throwing sloppy punches. We don't know. We'll have to wait and see. My money's on Derek Lewis for the ground and pound TKO. Uh, and your main event, Stipe Miocic versus Daniel Cormier. Okay, so this is a proper super fight and probably the first real one ever. It's for is to combine two belts, which we've done a couple of times before. We had, uh, we we had Conor McGregor after winning the featherweight belt from Jose Aldo, starched him in 30, 13 seconds, just knocked him out with the left hook, uh, and then a few hammer fists on the ground for good measure. Took the featherweight belt and then went to challenge. He was supposed to challenge, uh, yeah. Went to challenge Eddie Alvarez for the lightweight belt. Uh, Eddie Alvarez had only just gained the belt from by beating um, Dos Anjos, so he was, hadn't defended it yet. And Conor had only just gained the belt by beating uh, Aldo, which is no small feat, but hadn't defended it yet either. And they went to fight each other straight away. So technically a super fight. However, yeah, they weren't long reigning um, champions at all. And yeah, Conor just starched. Uh, um, Eddie Alvarez uh, in the second round I think picked him apart all through the first and then just knocked him out in the second and they took his his original belt off him straight away because he hadn't defended it so it was kind of weird he was a two division champ for about 30 seconds until they stripped the the, sec, the, uh, the featherweight belt off him he obviously famously hasn't defended that belt either and went off to fight um, Floyd Mayweather last year instead but that's a different story the other the other possible super fight we, we could say would be um GSP coming back to fight Michael Bisping again earlier this this year for the middleweight belt. So GSP wasn't even a contender or ranked at the time. He'd been out for four years, but he left as a champion, the longest running welterweight champion of all time. So if you kind of delete those four years where he, he didn't lose any fights, he just didn't fight anybody, and then stitch it straight back to back with him going up and fighting um, Bisping, there was no welterweight belt to, to be talked about. That's Tyrone Woodley's. 
but he did beat Michael Bisping and become a two-weight divisional champion. So kind of a super fight, but really his star power had waned a little bit in those four years that he was off. And again, Bisping, I love him. Thought he's a great champion. He did defend it, not against the number one guy. Against It was a revenge fight against Dan Henderson. So it wasn't really like someone at the you know two guys at the very very top of their game fighting for for the belts it was kind of uh, a situational thing where Bisping got the belt because he took advantage of a great uh, situation stepping up on short notice knocked out uh, Luke Rockhold got the belt defended it against Dan Hendo who wasn't ranked top five at the time and then took his third title defense against or second title defense against GSP where he got choked out in the second round second second or third round so, you know, again, technically maybe kind of a super fight, but not really. This is a legit super fight, man. Stipe Miocic versus Daniel Cormier. Stipe Miocic is not only your heavyweight champion, but he's the longest-running heavyweight champion ever. He's defended his belt more times than any other heavyweight champion in the UFC. Cain Velasquez did it only one title defense. We're now going for three title defenses by Stipe. He's, he's passed the two-title defense mark um, last year. So that's how crazy heavyweight is, man. He's only defended it twice. So you win the belt, and then you win two more fights as champion. That's two title defenses. That's the longest run as champion in the UFC heavyweight division. How crazy is that, man? It's because these dudes can knock each other out. Like, one little mistake. One little mistake at flyweight, and maybe you get clipped and you've got to scramble and go you know, wrestle and, and get your wits back about you and try and recover and, and, <laughs> and move on. One little slip at heavyweight, it's bang, lights out, man. It's over. So it's hard to keep that belt. He's done it for, for two title defenses, going for three in a row now. Uh, and that, in my mind, com- uh, paired with the fact that who, the who's who list of heavyweights that he's beat makes him the greatest of all time. He's beat JDS, who was one of the best heavyweights in the UFC. He beat Vadum, who was widely considered top three greatest heavyweights of all time after he beat Cain Velasquez and he beat... Uh, he beats um, Fedor Emelianenko over in Strikeforce. He was the first man to ever beat Fedor Emelianenko. And then got the UFC gold. So he was kind of considered one of the greatest of all time. Hard to, to disagree against that. And then Stipe goes and knocks him out, knocks over him out. He's knocked out. Oh, he got knocked out by Stephen Struve. He's beat Gonzaga, beat Mark Hunt. Just destroyed Mark Hunt for five rounds over here in Australia. It was hard to watch. He's knocked out Arlovsky. So he's gone in there and, and beat some of the, you know, sort of the best heavyweights around. Some of those guys are Hall of Famers, you know, and he's gone in there and sort of done work against all of them. Last fight out was when he knocked out Francis Ngannou. Sorry, he didn't knock out where he, he beat Francis Ngannou. Took him five rounds and just completely schooled him. Just made Ngannou, you know, send him back to, to school to learn a little bit more before he comes up to that level again. So legit heavyweight champion, man. Greatest of all time fighting Daniel Cormier, who... If there wasn't a man named John Jones kicking around with a bunch of uh, asterisks next to his name, Daniel Cormier would be the greatest lightweight of all time. There's caveats and asterisks next to John Jones' name because of these drug, like performance-enhancing drug scandals and and, and, uh, suspensions that he's been under, among other things like snorting cocaine and crashing into pregnant women and just doing all sorts of crazy shit, man, which doesn't matter uh, as, you know, in the scheme of things when you're talking about fighting, but the PEDs do. If If he's been... If he's taken PEDs, you've got to put an asterisk next to his name as greatest full time, and he tested positive after he knocked out Daniel Cormier in their last fight. So it's a tricky situation. They've given Cormier back the belt. Mm, technically, he did lose the belt, 
But take John, John Jones out of the picture, and this guy's beat, you know, uh, he's beat Gustafson, he's beat Anthony Johnson twice, he's beat Anderson Silva, he's destroyed uh, Dan Hendo, he's beat, he's beat at heavyweight, he beat Josh Barnett, ragdoll him through him around, he beat Roy Nelson, he beat uh, Frank Mir. So, I mean, he's undefeated at heavyweight. He moved down to take a, a, the lightweight belt, that light heavyweight belt, so he didn't have to fight his teammate Cain Velasquez, also in the in the conversation for the greatest heavyweight of all time. And then he's coming back up to fight Stipe Miocic to unify the belt. So if he wins, he's a two-divisional weight champion. That makes this a super fight. That and the, and the fact that these two guys are legit. They're at the top of their game. Yeah, DC will be 40, I think, next year. But, I mean, he's showed no signs of slowing yet. He's a, he's a genetic freak. He's a hard worker. And he's just... He's just Beating everybody except John Jones, man. So this is proper legit, uh, legit heavyweight. Sorry, legit super fight. And the winner of this man's probably going to take on either Brock, Brock, uh, Brock Lesnar. Yep, he's coming back. Believe it or not, I don't know how they're going to get him past the the drug testing, but he's coming back. Either Brock Lesnar or John Jones, or perhaps those two fight each other. There's going to be some some sort of super fight happening again, or that's going to be based off the the results of this fight. A great fight would be. Daniel Cormier versus Brock Lesnar. If he gets through Brock Lesnar, a rematch for the heavyweight belt against John Jones. That's just a little fairy tale playing out there. But either way that goes, man, it's exciting times. If Stipe wins, Stipe fights Brock. Or Stipe fights John Jones. They're all exciting fights, man. Brock coming back, you know, does he deserve it? No. Is he a cheater? Yes. Is he going to be juiced to the gills and get away with it? Probably. But who cares, man? It's exciting. I want to see it. You guys want to see it. And John Jones, man, as much as I dislike the guy's personality and what he stands for, I don't want to be his friend. I don't want to hang out with him, invite him around for dinner. I want to see him fight, and he's the greatest of all time, period, any lightweight, any, any, light, uh, any weight class there is. John Jones is the man. We want to see him back, and I want to see him go up and take on the heavyweights. I think it's going to be a phenomenal return when he gets past this um, PED suspension he's on. So that, it's an exciting fight, man. Now, who, who's going to win and how are they going to do it? These guys have a very similar skill set, so it's kind of about who can impose their game, who is who has the edge at what. I'll probably give the boxing edge to Stipe. Both these guys mainly box. There's a few kicks here and there, but yeah, they're mainly they they, they throw boxing and wrestling. Um, and I give the the striking slash boxing advantage to Stipe Miocic. He's a bigger guy. He's got longer reach. He's got more power. He's knocked out a lot of a lot more guys and a lot bigger guys, so you've got to give him him that um, the advantage. However, the only people that have given DC trouble is John Jones, and that's with his unorthodox striking. It was a head kick that knocked him out. Their first fight went five rounds. It was a real good war between the two of them. So he's there, man. He's there, and he's not going to get sort of smoked by just your standard um, sort of one-two combinations. I think you have to do something different to surprise him and to catch him. And I think he's still got a chin. He just copped a John Jones shin to the head, which would put anybody's lights out, especially when you're ducking into it the way he did. So boxing advantage to Stipe. Um, and wrestling advantage has got to go to DC, man. He's a smaller guy, sure, but he's thrown around the likes of, of Josh Barnett, who's a huge man, and he's an Olympic-level wrestler. So the wrestling to, to Daniel Cormier, 
Even if he just uses it as anti-wrestling just to keep um, Stipe off him, you know, or if he uses it for his dirty boxing, getting in close, hand fighting, and then, you know, doing dirty boxing, uppercuts up the middle, things like that. He's really effective at that, holding uh, Stipe up against the cage. Things like that can alleviate that uh, reach advantage that Stipe has, get him up against the cage. Therefore, you know, they're both within the same reach that they're working in, fighting in a phone booth, as they call it. He can use his wrestling in his advantage that way. Uh, and then cardio conditioning, I think these guys are both kind of cardio beasts, but being a cardio beast at heavyweight is a different thing to being a cardio beast uh, at light heavyweight and fighting the likes of Gustafsson and, and John Jones in these five round, five, uh, round wars that, they, that, that he's been through. So I think that he can wear Stipe down. I think Stipe's best chance to win this fight would be an, a knockout round one or two, sort of catching uh, Cormier coming in. Trying to cut, trying to close that distance, and he clips him on the outside. He's got short, crisp punches. Stepe doesn't look like an, an Engano when he punches, but people still go to sleep when it lands. So you've got to catch him coming in. He could put him to sleep, possibly in that first or second round. Hard order to do. It's a hard task to do. Or I think you see Daniel Cormier get in close, use his dirty boxing, use his wrestling, just outwork him, and then uh, round three, well, round four and five. Stipe's probably going to gas under that press pressure. It's a different pressure that Cormier puts on him. And then he's going to be able to start taking him down and sort of working, working his ground and pound from the top, things like that. I don't think he puts him away. I think Stipe's got enough cardio to hang in there. And he's got good enough wrestling to, to, to protect himself. But he will probably lose most of those, ex, those exchanges if that's where we go. And, and it'll be probably a, a dominant um, win for Daniel Cormier. So that's my, that's my um, call on those fights. DC by decision. Maybe losing the first round or two, round one and two up in the air, starting to take control third, and then really running home with it fourth and fifth. Um, yeah, unless, of course, he runs into a short right hand from, uh, from Stipe. Um, yeah, so that's tomorrow. Maybe you get down to the walkabout to check it out. Maybe you've got Foxtel at home. I'll be streaming it through, the, through my UFC app, straight to the TV. Um, straight to Apple TV so yeah again I'm a little bit spewing that I'm going to be missing Max Holloway Brian Ortega but again yeah, the best thing is that he just gets himself healthy man and I'm sure they'll do that fight again down the track when, Holloway's, when Holloway gets himself uh, in a better position so that's the UFC man UFC 226 check it out tomorrow and uh, current events what else have we got around town I don't think there's anything else too much on my storm. My team, the the storm got up on Thursday night, fifty to thirty six, I believe, over St George, which is interesting because they seem to be sort of coming on a little bit. I had, didn't have highest hopes for them at the start of the season. They won the premiership last year, and you know, going back to back is very hard, near impossible to do. People have done it, but not often. Uh, they also lost, lost Cooper Cronk. Billy Slater and Cam Smith getting on in the tooth a little bit. Slater's kind of injury prone the last four or five years. Saying that, they, they, they've had their ups and downs this season, but they, they're coming on strong now. They won by one point against the Roosters last week. They seem to have ran over um, St. George in the, in the end last night. So they could be, they could be looking good for finals. Um, where are they sitting on the ladder? Let me check that quickly. I don't have any AFL stats for you guys right now, sorry. I probably need to keep up on, on the ball about that a little bit better. I'm not an AFL guy, I'm a rugby league guy, but... I realise I live in Western Australia here, so leave it with me. I'll, I'll see if I can at least at least uh, follow the final, follow football as it heads into finals and, and see who's on top and what their chances of getting into the four are and things like that. But as for the Storm, when this thing 
loads, if it ever loads, it's not loading. Um, I, I think they'd be sitting about fourth or fifth now. Where's the ladder? We've got, okay, so the Dragons are number one, and Storm are number two, Rabbitohs three, Panthers four. So we just beat the number one side, 50 to 36. So that's real good news. If we can beat the number one side now, well, why can't we beat the number one side come September? So that's good news for the Storm fans, and myself in particular. It'd be great to see him get one more more championship before those two guys, Smith and, and Slater, sort of right off into the sunset. Um, as far as music reviews go, I listened to a couple of different albums this week, and I didn't feel, either of them didn't grip me sort of strong enough to, to dedicate a whole section to a, a straight up review, but I will sort of brush over the two albums. I listened to the new one by the Rubens, Ugh, I only listened to it once, and it didn't, it didn't do it for me, man. I, I really love the Rubens. Their first two albums were great. I was really big on them when they first came out, uh, an Aussie sort of rock, bluesy style band. That first album, which was produced by Rick Rubin, go figure, uh, was awesome, man. That was a really good, sort of, that was their coming out party, and their follow-up was good. Hoops was, was good too. I think they got uh, Triple J Hottest 100 in 2015. Um, they got number one. So, they've got some good songs. Great band. They have been up, you know, but they came out with that Million Man, Million Man I think it's called Million Man song last year. It really, really just kind of annoyed me straight off the bat. Just really poppy. It's kind of a sing-along, real obvious sing-along type song. And then the album came out last week and I gave it a listen there was a couple of alright tracks on there a couple of songs I didn't really dig at all and just really kind of I don't know I'm not sure when the Rubens turned into a, an uninspired just pop band but that seems to be where they're heading now and that's fine man that's that's what they where they want to go I'm not a hater I'm not here to hate on them at all uh, it's just not for me it's not my style of music I guess you know they're going that way and I'll continue going down my following other music down a different pathway. So the Rubens didn't stand out for me. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. Again, I don't want to be negative. I don't want to give a negative review. So that's all I'll really say about it. And then Florence and the Machine. Now, there's some great tracks on this album. Uh, what's the name of the album? Would be would be handy. Florence and the Machine. Uh, is it Hunger? Maybe with me one second. Florence and the Machine album High as Hope. So there's some beautiful, beautiful sort of, how would you explain her? Indie pop sort of, yeah, she's kind of an indie pop band, but she's got these beautiful vocals and real ethereal type, um, you know, uh, instrumentals behind her, sort of or or orchestral nearly at times, real big build-up. She, she kind of carries the whole song with her voice, even the harder, faster songs where it's kind of more of an indie pop rock type of feel to it. She carries them really well. Um, the in intro to the, to the podcast this week was Big God, which is beautiful. I think that's a great song. I love her voice and I love how strong, you know, that strong vocal she carries and that waver in her voice as, as she um, holds the notes. Uh, June, the first song's great, slow starting, but real beautiful um, song, you know, um, Hunger, again, very, I, I'm going to say the same thing about most of these songs, which is why I didn't bother doing a full-blown review on it, um, a little slower, and then her last album, 
everything sort of starts and builds up and, and builds up. Uh, it's a little bit like a storm. Most songs, I guess you'd, you'd, um, you'd liken them to a bit of a storm where there's some wind coming through, then a bit of rain, a bit of pattering, and then you kind of get the thunder and the lightning cracking in from the, from the background. It all starts building up together and becomes more powerful till you hit that crescendo. She's really, really good at hitting those crescendos. But it's sort of much in a muchness for me. I listened to the whole album t- through twice, and the third time through, I started skipping some of the slower to build songs and just listened to about four songs on the album. So not a, a an album album. So where you listen all the way through, but some great tracks on there. Big God's a good one. Uh, Hunger was a good one. Grace was beautiful, really beautiful song. Um, Patricia, yep, a great song too. And then again, the last three there kind of for me dragged on a little bit. So it's a good good album. Um, definitely go check it out if you're into Florence and the, Florence and the Machine. Check that one out. Uh, I think that yeah, for me, it, it pointed out to me how much I like her old stuff a little bit better when I listen to the album all the way through on Spotify. And what that generally does is, after you've listened to an album, it'll pick one more song from that artist, and then it'll go into some other music of a similar genre. And as soon as they played one of the songs from uh, from a previous album, I, I realised how much more I was into that track. And it really got me kind of pumped up and broke the monotony a little bit for me. So probably not the album for me, but I do like a few songs on there. Big God. Uh, being one of them, so go and check that out and make your own decisions on it. Don't let me, um, don't let me knock it down for you. Uh, where are we going for time here? Okay, so that's all the uh, current events around town. Um, oh, I guess I wanted to go into um, some current events on the world stage. And I think two weeks ago, I heard that uh, Canada, Canada had um, recently passed a bill to federally, federally legalise recreational marijuana use. So, I mean, that's big news. Sorry, just having a drink there. That's big news. Um, they're actually only the second nation worldwide to legalise marijuana at the federal level, behind only Uruguay. That's right. Uruguay, go figure. There's nine states in the US that allow for recreational use now, and 30 of the states allow for medicinal use. Uh, so yeah, times are times are clearly changing, man. Uh, even in Australia, we now have allowed marijuana for medicinal use with various different caveats across the different states and territories, um, which kind of feels to me a little bit like an April Fool's joke. I mean, we've got medicinal mar- marijuana use here in Australia now, you know. It's um, I was surprised that, 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 that they passed that bill last year. However, I do find it hard to believe that our government would legalise it for recreational use anytime soon, so don't hold your breath. I kind of feel like, you know, we're going to be the last to drop when it comes to that. You're going to have other, other countries coming in first. It'll go federal, federally across uh, the US first and probably the UK and... Um, yeah, I, I see us down the bottom of that pyramid somewhere when, when the blocks all start to tumble. But, um, yeah, I mean, things at times, at times are changing. And, uh, look, of course, I would never smoke or consume an illicit substance myself. Obviously. No, no, not me. I would never disobey the regulations set in place by our great and wise government put in place only to protect the health and safety of the naive and incompetent people of this nation of ours. 
No, I would never risk my life or my sanity by puffing on the devil's cabbage. Clearly, these laws have been put in place solely for our own good, to protect us from such a horrible and destructive plant as these flowers, straight from, the, from Satan's garden himself. All too well do we know the dangers of this sneaky, crafty demon in disguise. Surely all of us have a friend or a family member or a loved one who's taken an ill-advised toke of the reefer, only to drop dead moments later. Their brain unable to function, their soul doomed to an eternity of suffering. No, not me. I'd rather follow the laws of this just and magnificent government of ours and stick to harmless substances such as alcohol, cigarettes, or the side effect free pharmaceuticals such as oxycodone, tramadol, or sleeping pills. Surely this government, in all its wisdom, would, le would not legalise, heavily tax and greatly benefit from any substance with clear, well-documented harmful effects such as liver failure, lung or throat cancer, extreme addictive and dependency properties with a high chance of misuse, extended or even possibly possibility of overdose. No, surely not. Surely the leaf from Lucifer's lettuce must be worse than these other regulated, taxed and heavily prescribed drugs. Otherwise, why would our government criminalise one and lock people in a cage for distribution and growing and then make money off, off other more harmful substances? They wouldn't. Surely not. So me, I stay well clear of that horrid, laser-fying, mind-destroying, home-wrecking gateway drug and I opt for the much safer choice of the socially acceptable and widely available hard liquor in all its many forms, and I stick to the culturally ingrained and completely harmless cigarette just to be on the safe side. A little bit of tongue-in-cheek there, maybe, but, you know, I feel that it's hard to take laws seriously when there's such a double standard to them, you know, and we have such a strong... Oh, there's such a strong culture surrounding marijuana, uh, pop culture. How many of your favourite... Musicians, movie stars, artists, uh, even sports stars, you know. You, you, maybe you don't know, but a lot of your sports stars. How many of your favourite figures and inspirational characters uh, smoke marijuana? And, you know, there's still this stigma attached to it. Oh, it makes people lazy. Does it? Or are some people just lazy and then they smoke weed? You know, like, there's a, there's a, a thought in some communities that if you think someone's life was ruined by marijuana, it was probably going to be something else that ruined their life in the first place. Maybe too much food, alcohol, gambling. You know, they just found weed and that's what they stuck with and that's what ruined their life, apparently. I, I don't think it's fair to pin things on the substance like that. Like I said, there's plenty of successful, creative people, healthy, uh, motivated people out there living their life, doing great things, who smoke marijuana, who smoke weed, man. So... You can't tell me it's okay to prescribe heroin, you know, in tablet form to people and get them hooked on pain pills and things like that. And then marijuana's bad. You can't tax cigarettes. We know that it kills people. We know it kills people. That The science is there. It's irrefutable. And they, they sell it and they tax it. And then tell us that marijuana's bad and illegal and, and there's, you know, there's no recorded fatalities or ill effects directly related to marijuana. I mean, you can argue the fact of things like um, mental illness, schizophrenia, things like that. Sure, it's probably not for everybody. Some people are prone to have certain side effects and things can be a trigger for them. It's not for everybody, but we can't, 
keep uh, society wrapped in cotton wool like this, you know? People need to be educated and we need to be left to make our own decisions as adults. If you're not hurting anybody else, what does it matter what choices you make with your own body, you know? We, we should be taught how to use things responsibly, which is what the real, where the real problem lies, man. It's not in marijuana, it's not in alcohol, which is, does terrible things to your body and your liver and causes you know, a lot of people to do all sorts of horrific, violent things, drive, go out, drive their cars, crash. And what's the fatality from 18 to 21-year-olds in our country, you know, from drink driving? It, it's horrific. We don't ban alcohol. We tax it. We put regulations around it. We try and educate people. And that's what we should be doing with marijuana as well. It's a substance. It's a natural substance. You know, it's got plenty of benefits, health benefits, CBD oils and such. There's other ways to administer it. You don't have to smoke it. You know, you can argue that, that too much smoking could cause problems with the lungs as well. <clears throat> Obviously, you don't smoke as, as much marijuana as you do cigarettes. But there's other ways to do it. Vape, you can eat, there's edibles. You can administer CBD oil, which has no THC or psychoactive ingredients in it. You know, there's different ways to, to handle the substance to go about it, but we can't just blanket a blanket outlaw of substance without any real uh, logical reasons and any healthy information on the subject. So it is good to see us moving in the right direction, legalising it for medicinal use. Again, I kind of feel like uh, they're going to keep their hand on that stranglehold uh, for for longer than needs to be, for longer than, than is necessary. But as the science comes in and other nations start to, to, to um, drop like dominoes to the logic and to the new culture that we, the people, can spread data and information we can share with each other over the internet, you know, like they, they can't hold out forever, man. So, you know, next five to ten years, it'll be interesting to keep our eye on that and see what happens. And just touching on that, the, uh, the, the technological age, as I like to call it, uh, this is something I'll bring up probably a lot of, quite often on my podcast because I'm fascinated with with it. Is that you know we're involved in an age we we, we are born and have grown up in a, and are living in in an an age. And when I mean an age, I mean a defining age like the Stone Age, the Bronze Age, you know the, the Iron Age, the the Industrial Revolution. Then what I like to call the Technological Revolution. You know the I wasn't we weren't around for electric for electricity being you know discovered and, and utilized, but it was only 100 years, so you know, within the last 100 to 150 years uh, thereabouts, but we were around for the technological age and, and discovery and birth. So the internet, man, computers, computers in your pocket via mobile phone, these things, man, this is going to go down in the history records. I would say history books, but who knows, we'll be using books 50 years from now. This will be recorded in history as a significant time, and we're alive for it, man, and things are going to change, just like they changed in the Industrial Revolution, just like they changed when they went from Stone Age to the Bronze Age, just like th things change, and we're in a time of huge change right now, and that change is the sharing and of information and data. I, if I know something, I can put it out on the internet, other people can, can find that information and share it. I can read other people's shared information and we can all get together and people can't decide what we learn and what we know and keep us in the dark anymore. So they can't keep a bottle on things like uh, medicinal marijuana, on, on, on sorry, the safety and, and, uh, and the rules and regulations surrounding marijuana and why it is and why they've been stubborn to change. They can't keep doing it. They can't keep a lid on things like that forever. You know, So I'm excited about that. Excited to see where things go. There's a whole bunch of study being done in the US around psycho, uh, psychedelics as well for treatment of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and, and 
terminal Ill, terminally ill cancer patients and people with um, treatment resistant depression and things like that so there's some exciting things happening I'll go into that more detail in another podcast it's too much to just mention off the top of my head right now but I just wanted to go in and, and bring that up because this is something I'm passionate about something I've always been really interested in and um, keep an eye on the on the space you know uh, around these things if you're against marijuana you know ask yourself why and educate yourself a little bit i know people kind of have these prejudices and these ideas that they just had in their head maybe somebody told you when you were younger maybe you saw some negative effects to it but you haven't looked into it any further and seen the positive effects on the people that aren't affected negatively you didn't realize were smoking there's huge sporting com- communities that use marijuana for pain relief relaxing these are active fit people there's smart people who use it there's people who microdose in the uh, in the uh, um, Silicon Valley and things like that helps them with creativity. Obviously, we know musicians and artists and 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 things like that who who use it you know, regularly for inspiration. So there's more to it than what the than what you've been told. Perhaps just look into it for yourself, reevaluate it, figure out if you've been told the truth or not. You don't have to get on board with it. You don't have to like it, but it's not a devil substance. It's a substance. It's a tool that can be used one way or another. Let's educate ourselves and make our own mind up on that. That's my opinion. That's my little spiel on marijuana, man. And, and yeah, like I said, I'll probably visit these topics every now and then on the podcast. But yeah, big steps. Canada legalising it federally across the board, mate. That's huge. That is huge. So yeah, hats off to you, Canada. And you guys are going to lead the way for, for sort of you know, these G7 countries, as they call them. Um, that's all I've got for today, guys. Keep it short and sweet under the hour because I'm still on Anchor podcast at the moment. I wanted to move over to, to GarageBand so I could uh, start introducing the music um, as a file rather than me playing it off my phone into the microphone. And also I can go over to an hour, an hour and a half without worrying about the time period so much. But not to be today. I'll try and get that figured out for next week. That'll be my improvement for next week. See if I can get a, a, a GarageBand forum up and running, possibly. Um... So look, thanks for listening as always, guys. Um, I really appreciate if you're going to give me your time to, to have a listen and, and possibly go to the Average Man Facebook page and give me a review. I started up an, a Facebook page separately during the week for the podcast, but then I was told by a mate of mine who knows more about these things than me, that's not the way to go. So that account's going to be deleted and it will just be the Average Man podcast attached to my personal account. So find it on Facebook, Average Man Podcast. Go leave me a review. Please... Um, Leave me a review, leave me some feedback, what you think I could get better at, what you liked, what you didn't like. And same to people, if you hear this, you know, if I'm going to put this up on the Headland, uh, everything Headland and FYI pages, if you see me around town, uh, I'm the uh, sort of, you know, mediumly, medium tall, lean guy with the long dark dreadies, mate. Um, my name is Dave. You see me around, come up and tell me what you liked or didn't like. If you thought it was shit, tell me what you thought it was shit. Tell me why you thought it was shit. If you see me at the pub, come and tell me what you thought, mate. I've got a pretty thick skin, I can take criticism, you're not going to upset me. This as long as you tell me what what you didn't like, and you know, buy me a beer afterwards, and we'll be sweet, mate. So I really appreciate any feedback I can get uh, via Facebook, in person, messenger if you know me personally, whatever you guys want. Please keep listening. Let me know what what uh, what you want to hear going forward, and I hope you guys enjoyed um, today's episode, guys. So that was Average Man Podcast Episode Six, Big God, and uh, yeah, I'm out. <laughs>